0: If we are going to talk about culture war, which is how, which we can see is like how the uh, different uh, different elements of uh, the London and surrounds, to be fair, columnist class look at the rest of the country and import their political values onto it. You also have to understand that this is basically an American phenomenon imported into the country where we've gotten the same moral panics about, quote unquote, cultural elites uh, and what they're doing, which is largely invented by the right wing press, uh, which dovetails with the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory about cultural Marxism. Because it's always about the strange practices of a weak and a feat, the simultaneously very powerful and influential cabal that wants to reshape the nation into something strange and alien for
1: totally unknowable reasons. Yeah, J- Jeremy Corbyn may have been a nice jam granddad, but he was making jam for Hamas.
2: Mm. And
0: this was, a, this was actually a conspiracy theory that was very popular about the Frankfurt School, who were a group of uh, German-Jewish academics who were looking at, like, trying to understand why Marxism didn't... Why, like, there was no... Socialist revolution in Germany, why it went fascist instead. And they mostly worked in the US and they were the subject of a conspiracy theory that is still talked about today by um, a, a Tory MPs and the fucking president and literally everybody. And it's very, very, very respectable. And it is the, th- and it's very, very, very unfortunate. And it's the thing that informs what a lot of the right wing anxieties that become culture war tropes. Yeah, and I, and I can't
1: stress enough how much this is an import, right? Like people who get mad at us for being like, "Oh, you only talk about American culture or stuff." I was like, "No, it's like skinny jeans. It gets here <laughs> ten years later, right?" <laughs> the people of Britain are too thick for
0: culture. War. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to offer a definition of culture war here because it's not actually written about as a phenomenon. Uh, altogether that much. It's written, it's written sort of within as people write that, you know, um, especially right wing columnists are sort yeah, of. Panic pink-head about, yeah, pinkhead snowflakes are turning your kids gay. Yeah. Mm. It's the immigrants are going to give house prices cancer, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I th- I th- I've, my definition, my working definition, is that culture war can best be understood as the displacement of class based anxieties onto non economic phenomena with the specific effect of creating solidarity across classes, like between workers and billionaires, of a preferred identity group forestalling the development of class consciousness. So That's why fascism is so culturally nostalgic, so militantly culturally nostalgic, because it's about identifying new rungs of the preferred segment of the working class on the hierarchy who must be kept in order. So yeah. like, you pick yeah. your preferred section of the working class, invent a bunch of rungs below them, and then say, careful, if you don't continue supporting if we if we don't work together, we the ruling class and you like the quote unquote white working class or whatever, then
1: you know that and um, uh, society is going to fall yeah. apart. And th- there's also the lib version of this, which is the uh, I want to be the first openly queer secretary of defense, right? Uh, <laughs> and th- and those two are kind of in a, in a in a vicious cycle with each other because you can then like if liberalism leans very heavily into uh, these these identities. Have like a material value that like we should we should lead into that we have this like diversity, but only diversity in and of itself that we're going to emphasize that we're going to have like an intersectional department of defense or whatever mm. then it, it sets you up for the opposite the fascist version of oh well, you're just like you're doing snowflake shit and the the only real identity is this one that we've also made up of the you know hard-hearted son of toil. Mm. Listen, Alice, I think we've had quite enough Führers, and maybe it's time for a her. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what I'm saying is that this is like, to a certain extent, these are dueling, uh, like, invented identities. And it's not to say that an identity being invented makes it a bad thing merely that it's when it's used to elide a a sort of a class injustice then you end up with these weird ass takes like coming out as transgender made me a more effective cia officer or you can't expect to win an election if you ever use a pronoun ever (laughs) coming out as transgender made me a master of disguise (laughs) that is true the start of the
0: of the ongoing relentless constant culture war in the UK. Is often pegged by columnists as the moment in 2008 when Gordon Brown referred to Jillian Duffy as "quote that bigoted woman." Which just she, for was. Saying she
2: was. In. Yeah, she was. Yeah.
0: yeah. And what's interesting is that she's now a full-time media figure. Really? Yeah, she's she's, she's constantly being interviewed and going on uh, going on like a, a Question Time and Moral Maze and things of that nature. Like oh, she's really? not gone away.
2: Awesome. I've just never seen her on anything like yeah, really. At all. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I have. She, absolutely she was seen awesome her because
1: her whole thing was that she asked a question that was so easily answerable. Her question was, "All these Polish people, where are they coming from?" Poland. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Next.
1: Um, right. So,
0: but the what, this is, I think one of the one of the key elements of the culture war. Right. I'm going to throw to Robin here that columnists look at this moment and say, "Ah, that's when it all began. This is when London. They, they think this is when I, the London-based columnist." lost touch with the uh with with the traditional horny, horny working class racists. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, Robin what's I want to get sort of I want to pull out kind of what you think about this.
2: Yeah. Well, I, so some form of this has like existed since like the dawn of time. Um and I think when the the thing that kind of like I've only just kind of rationalized in my head recently and like worked out is like I grew so I grew up like Like working class northerner on a council estate, and I was probably like a bit different to some of the other people on my estate, but there was a lot of people like me as well. So like maybe you'd say like I don't want to use like educated because it's not that, but it's like maybe a bit more culturally middle class probably. um And and it's like I've I've been trying to find my like working class northerness for like my entire life like trying to work out how it fits in and trying to be like who like who am I like I'm not I'm obviously not working class like I had free school meals like you I couldn't you know like I couldn't be working class um but like but because the newspapers and because columnists and because all sorts of people think that like working class northerners are this certain way I was like oh I'm not you know I'm not one of them um and actually like I'm entitled to that label as much as anyone else's and actually there's so many of us like you know like the young like um blue-haired working class person is you know like as legitimately a working class person as like a old man that smells of bacon like, <laughs> like
1: <laughs> to ward off muslims
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. is is literally and it but it but it's prob it is problematic because it it robs you of your identity like entirely like so it it's so deeply ingrained in all of us and it comes from it doesn't just come from like columnists it doesn't just come from like the way we talk like you know in journalism it comes from like the TV that we watch and like, you know, things like the royal family that like I really strongly identify with and understand. Um How it's are you spelling um, royal
1: family there. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 the royal family. Um yeah, which which like I think a lot of working class northerners know those people and have those people in their family as well. Um but still it 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 feels like it's not about me. And there's so few like of anything in existences that's about the, this type of working class person so that it just gets perpetuated. And then, yeah, I don't I don't really know where I was going with that. But, no, um,
1: no I, I totally get what you mean. That like sense of alienation. What, that was one of the things that always struck me whenever there's like a column that's like, oh, well, you wouldn't get away with that trans nonsense in Wigan. I'm like, what if you're fucking trans and from Wigan? How no, How yeah. are you going to feel then?
2: That's it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the annoying thing. Like I know like most of the people that I like socialise with are working class. And I know like a lot of trans people socially um who are working class who have like, you know, like a broad Wakefield accent or whatever, you know, like and they grew up in, you know, Wakefield or whatever. And it yeah, and it's like the idea that you could that if you're working class you are this this one person is just absolutely bizarre. Also, where-
1: just as an aside, it's hilarious to say that, like, oh, you wouldn't get away with being trans in Wigan because my literal favorite, like, good natured joke about being transgender is the one where it's like, oh, I just met a transgender person from, uh, uh, like, I think it's like the Lancashire area. They had a Wigan address. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that took me a second. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>